Who's right? Who's right? He's right. Right on radio. Right on radio. Good morning. This is Right on Radio with your host, Jesse Zaboder with Illuminate the Darkness. And you can find my website at illuminatethedarkness.com. Now, before I bring on my co-host today, I have to share that Jeff has been right about something. That's right, Jeff. You've got this surprised look on your face for those in our listening audience. It's actually a cocky look. (laughs) (laughs) So a a lot of times you're always, you've been saying some things about the spiritual world and how things have to manifest spiritually before they can manifest in the physical world. So I wanted what I'm going to come on today to do and and Jeff so everybody knows Jeff had no idea that I was planning to do this that the Lord put this on my heart last night but basically the Lord himself was manifesting something spiritually last night so that's what I want to share today so this is what's so that. exciting about this show. So for the audience, I have a whole bunch of stuff lined up, a big show, and then right before going on air, Jesse goes, sit back and relax, Jeff. And, right. and you know what? That's what this show is about. Yeah. Look, we could be doing the depressing news, and we could talk about impeach. You know? But listen, this is so much better. So she's introduced me. I need to introduce her. And I had a great name based on the program that I had lined up, which will be saved for another day. But today, she is simply willing to serve the word. And her name is Jessie Zaboder. Yeah, that would explain it well. I was going to say we could skip it. I thought I'd get through a whole show without an introduction, but... Yeah. <laughs> no. Oh, man. <laughs> and, and I don't know where these names really started, because it's not something I've done throughout my life or anything. But I do have a name for one of our team members, which I'm going to let this person know. And I believe this is also divine. That would be awesome. Yeah. And once we get shirts, I mean, that's going to be kind of fun. (laughs) You're going to get take it away. I'm going to totally take it away. Yeah. So, well, I had this morning, you know, I'm not somebody that, you know, I wouldn't say that my life lacks prophecy or, or or different things like that but I'm not you know the Lord usually is not one to give me major revelations but when he does it's something like it just kind of packs a punch so I I had last night um, I was sitting thinking about some things and it, it really went down that road of you know where we find our society right now and especially in the realm of emotions. So if you were thinking just in general of, you know, the majority of people that you're interacting with or, or seeing online, what are some of the words you would use to describe the state of people's emotions right now? Well, there's certainly a lot of fear, uh, uncertainty. There's some panic, definitely. Uh, there's very few in the remnant that are really standing strong. I think 
most of our audience is in that standing strong. Uh, but yeah, I would say overwhelming there's a fear. Yeah, that's, a, you know, I was picking up on a lot of that as well. The, the fear, the anxiety, worry. Um, it seems like there's a lot of uncertainty. So what was interesting is as I was thinking about that last night, um, all of a sudden the Lord just gave me this vision and with it came a decree. Now, there's only been once or twice in my life that I've ever heard the Lord in an audible voice decree something. Did it sound something like, Jeff is right. Jesse, <laughs> listen to Jeff. He that, is right. That was exactly <laughs> it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, it, it wasn't that. But, you know, I wanted to start with, you know, that kind of going back. Um, you know, not a lot of churches, there aren't a lot of people who ever talk about the Lord's decrees. So if you were to define that for our audience, how would you define a decree? How would I define a decree? Well, he's had several decrees, but I would say it goes back to something you and I talked about when we're planning some of our announcements for Sunday, and it has to do with his, his decrees follow a pattern. I would say that. Right. I would agree with that too. Usually there's kind of a basic formula. Um, I'd maybe call it like a conditional decree. Usually it starts with, if you, you know, and then I will, that tends to be the normal pattern. So, you know, like in Deuteronomy, um, you have his decree, if you will tear down the strongholds, then I, the Lord, will drive out your enemy from before you. And that's his typical. But this was not a typical decree. I'd have to classify this as almost, a, it was like he, he decreed his sovereign will. And I just, I heard it powerfully proceed from his mouth. It's funny, that word sovereign has been coming up so much lately, hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, oh, it was, wow. I, I was me, just blown away. Yeah. I, I was so blown away. So it kind of goes back. So I, I got to go into some of the backstory with this because really it kind of hinges off of some very powerful events that happened starting about five years ago. So it's not like this is just like a new decree out of anywhere like the Lord began this decree like five years ago and he's building on it now. And it was just like, wow. So when he first started, um, it was about five years ago and I was sitting in my bathroom and people are just going to have to understand. I have a big household, lots of children a lot of times I have kids that aren't even my children who were there <laughs> at, at the time of, of, you know, when the Lord spoke this to me, um, my situation was that, you know, I've got seven kids of my own and then I would have an extra four or five, you know, teenage high school boys all the time. So I'd usually have about 11 children and we had one bathroom. And so <laughs> the only 
quiet place in the house. It did have a little separated spot, you know, where you could use the toilet and stuff, but I would set up my office in the outside, you know, of that bathroom area. But all the kids knew, like starting at eight o'clock every night, I, I was in there until I was done with my time with the Lord. And so they would, you know, they were used to just coming and going and, and would usually be pretty quiet, you know. Um, but I, I'm sitting in there and all of a sudden I hear the Lord singing this song to me. And now this is five years ago now. Still. Right. This was okay. five years ago. Okay. So the Lord, and usually like the Lord, you know, he sings to me at times, but I usually don't hear like a, I'll hear the song in pieces. Usually it will come over a week or two. Like he'll start to put the melody in my heart and it will build and he'll give me then, you know, the choruses or the uh, verses one piece at a time. But this song, literally the Lord started and sang the whole thing as though it was already a finished song. And he allowed me, as I heard him singing, I started writing it down. And I just, I wrote it down word for word, exactly what he had um, sung. And like the first, the first verse, um, it, it goes, you know, beautiful bride, won't you keep your light shining? Okay. And the whole song was about this beautiful bride. And so anyway, you know, I, I get this song and it's in my heart and I go to church the next morning and we have these missionaries from Uganda that our church supports and they happen to be in town that week. And, um, the, <clears throat> like, this is a vital part of the story. So I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and share their story, but so they come out of Uganda and Val is the female missionary that we, our church supported and knew. Now, the man that she ended up marrying, his name is Waffle, and he came from England. Um, both of them were in their late 40s, and the Lord had put them both in Uganda. And in the area they were in, there was four or five warring tribes. And Val was trained as a veterinarian and was the only veterinarian in that area. So the tribes kind of shared her. Uh, to do veterinary work for their cattle and other animals. And then Waffle was trained in medical things. So, you know, again, he was somebody that they would share in those tribes. And um, anyway, they, they had met. And um, because of, you know, that area in Uganda is, is really, there's heavy spiritual oppression. And you've got with these tribes, what they'll do is, you know, there's not a lot of things that grow in that area. It's really hard to grow crops. There's not a lot of water. They get the locusts that come through and eat everything. Um, so one of the most prized possession is cattle, but it's even that it's really hard to keep the cattle alive. Um, so, you know, they're always looking for ways to develop things and to, um, you know, grow that culture in that area. But what was happening was that, you know, these tribes, they would attack each other. They would steal all the cows. Um, then they'd eat all the cows and they'd be back, you know, trying to scrape by to 
get more cattle and it, it was kind of this endless vicious cycle and um so val and waffle you know were trying to help their tribes work through this and um so anyway though um they met and they fell in love and when that happened val had been adopted by her tribe as the chief's daughter that was like a way of them protecting her as a female in that country from rape and other things so when waffle fell in love with her and wanted to marry her he had to go and approach the chief of her tribe and ask for her hand in marriage and the chief put a chief daughter's price on her as a dowry because in that country they still operate that way you know you have to purchase um whatever you want you you purchase it um and so the price he put on her was like 200 cows okay but you have to understand in that culture like a year's salary or a year's wage is going to be like 20 cows so you know, he's in his late forties and sitting there thinking, man, you know, I'm going to be like 80 by the time I get 200 cows. Right. So he started petitioning to the churches and other support systems. And, you know, it took like, a, I think it was like a year or two, but eventually we got him the 200 cows. So, you know, so he's at our church and he's, he's sharing this story and he's sharing video like pictures of it and stuff. And so he says, you know, finally the day came that he got to, you know, come to her village with all the cows. And it's, I mean, it's a hilarious picture seeing, you know, this guy and he's got 500 warriors with him from his tribe. And these are tall, like really tall guys. And they're dressed, you know, with, red loincloths and they've got spears with red feathers and they're jumping up and down with their long braided hair and the, like and ceremonial yeah like, i mean okay yeah they're just like yeah they're ceremonially dressed but they're loud like that was the surprising thing i mean they're hooping they're hollering you've got 500 guys and they jump like they just non-stop jump up and down and you're like wow okay this is very interesting and so they're coming with these 200 cows well they get there and the chief has to inspect every single one and make sure that there's not a blemish on any of them that they're all healthy and perfect and stuff so this isn't just like you're you know you come with the cows and you get your bride this is an all-day affair <laughs> so Finally, you know, he gets the approval. Well, then the surprising thing is you're watching the video and instead of, you know, her just coming out to, to her groom, the warriors start going to all the huts where the women are and they just start ripping women out of the huts looking for the white woman. And, and I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm like, this is kind of scary. And at one point, I guess, you know, Val kind of interrupted, they had grabbed her sister, and they had to try to explain, no, no, this is the wrong, wrong woman, this isn't the bride, you know, wrong white girl, right. And um, so she said, and she's like, you know, it's, it's very loud, like, it's kind of 
it's not like a joyous thing. Like it, it kind of is scary and, you know, like very scary kind of violent action. Like they're just grabbing and all of a sudden, like you're in the middle of these massive jumping warriors who are making lots of noise and they've got spears. And, and she said it was a bit overwhelming, you know, because it's nothing like, you know, our marriage ceremonies at all. And, um, you know, she just had to trust that her groom was somewhere in the midst of all that as, as these warriors are taking her back to his village. And um, so, so that was kind of the beginning of the start of this interesting thing. And as he continues to tell the story, um, their marriage, you know, at their ceremony, they gave the gospel message. And besides the warring tribes, they had, you know, about, I think it was eight witch doctors in the area who would always be spiritually attacking, you know, the Christians and different things. And two of those witch doctors at their wedding came to the Lord and their wedding brought together peace among these warring tribes. So very powerful. And so after he shares all that, he says, but that was not the highlight. That was not what the Lord wanted to really bring out about all this. And he, he said, you know, what the Lord really wanted to bring out was that, um, you know, I, I had to work really hard for those 200 cows. Like, you know, he's like, after all of that, he's like, there was no way that I wasn't going to get my bride. And he said, but, you know, this is, this is what the Lord wants each of you to remember. You know, he paid for you with his blood. Do you think he's not going to come back for you? And I was just like, wow, this is pretty powerful. Well, so that was kind of the start of it. And so then uh, about a year later, I'm working at this hospice and um, I had this really humorous patient. Um, you know, at first I, I had ministered to the lady across the hall from her. Their rooms were really close. So, you know, she could hear me. The woman across the hall, you know, I thought she, you know, was somebody that was, uh, you know, in a coma or something. For an entire year, I would go visit this elderly woman. I never saw her open her eyes, never spoke to her. She would just lay there in bed. Like I could be rubbing her arm. I would be talking to her. I would, I would spend like 45 minutes singing to this lady, you know, and never once saw her move ever. Okay. And I just, you know, it, it was just interesting. And at the end of the year, I find like I walked in one day and they're feeding her and I was like, wow, she, she came out of her coma. This is amazing. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, well, I'm like, she woke up and they're like, <laughs> we're confused. And I'm like, well, I thought she was in a coma. I've never seen her awake the entire year. I've been coming to see her every once a week. I've never seen her awake. And they're like, oh no, that's just because she just likes to sleep. Will you come and sing to her? 
And I was like, wow, okay. <laughs> she pulled this off for a year. For a whole year. I mean, the woman never moved. I, I, I was so shocked. I seriously, you know, thought she was in a coma. I was like, wow. So anyway, she ended up passing away. And then they were like, well, would you sing to the lady, you know, in the room next to her? And I was like, well, okay, but let me talk to her first. Cause you know, I don't know if everybody wants me to come and sing to them. So I walk in there and, you know, what does the staff do? Does she, does she wait, you know, or introduce me or let me talk to the lady? No, she's just like, Hey, Marianne, this is Chaplain Jesse. She came to sing to you. And I'm like, well, that's, that's if you would like that, would you like me to sing to you? This lady, she just had this great gritty attitude. She was like, Oh, just shut up and sing already. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So what was funny was that after, you know, I visited with her for quite a few months and then she ended up passing away and her family came to me and said, Hey, you know, will you do her service? And I, I said, sure. And they wanted me, you know, they were like, well, we know, you know, she really loved having you come and sing to her. So we would like you to sing a couple of the songs that were her favorite. And I was like, okay, you know. So um, as I was praying, you know, one of the songs that I sang to her was that beautiful bride song that the Lord had given me. And I told her about the missionaries. And so the Lord says, I want you to sing this song. And I was like, um, Lord, you, you don't sing a song about a beautiful bride at a wedding <laughs> or, at a, or funeral. at a funeral. Like it's, it's a wedding song, not a funeral song. Well, but so that's I, when you go to the marriage of the lamb. Well, no, no, no. But the song was, it, it's a little different. I mean, I thought of that aspect, but first it, it wasn't a Christian family. Okay. So you know, you're like the majority of this family is not Christian. And it was like, okay, Lord, like, you know, I, I had to wrestle with him on this. So well, you could always just throw in some verses about garter belts, <laughs> and, you know, right? I was some, like, some honeymoon excitement. <laughs> I was like, Lord, I don't know where you're going with this. So, you know, I worked for a, a non-Christian um, hospice as well, you know, and they wanted us always to minister according to the families and the patient's wants and things like that. So I really was in this dilemma because I was like, okay, her family, like all of her grandchildren are high-end business people, you know, and I want to make sure that they're happy with this service. You know, I don't want to get sued or anything like that. So, you know, I decided to finally bring it before my hospice team. And I'm like, okay, guys, I'm like, you know, the family, this is what they want me to do. And, you know, they want to hear her favorite songs that I sang to her. And this was one of the favorites, but I really don't know if I would consider it appropriate or not for a funeral. And so they were like, you know, well, yeah, go ahead, sing it to us. Let's see, you know, we'll tell you and stuff. So what was interesting was that the Lord opened the door for me to use that song to minister to my coworkers who were not Christian. 
by the time I was done singing this song, the whole room was in tears. And they were like, you have to sing this. And I'm sit- I'm the only one who's sitting there still arguing with the Lord. I'm like, God, I just don't know about this, right? And, and ladies thinking- and gentlemen, just to catch you <laughs> up on the story as she's going, yes, I'm going to put her on the spot and she's going to sing this song at the end of this program. Nah, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> my you have to now, Jesse. You're staying at a funeral. Uh, you can sing it on the radio. <laughs> right. It, it's been quite a few years, but anyway. So, so I sang that song and, you know, they were all like, yes, yes, you've got to do it. So the day of the service comes and, and of course, you know, it's like, there's over 250 people there. The whole, like, first like 10 rows is all these like you know dressed in suit business guys in their 30s and 40s you know and and they all just have these straight stern looks and I'm sitting there like oh wow okay well if you know my motto if if you're gonna go do something go big you know so I was like I guess I'm going big here and I gotta mention too like this you know it doesn't come with music like you know this is an acapella song so you know I'm I'm just really going big with this service so I get done singing the song and everybody's in tears crying and it was after the service that her grandsons like they came up in a horde it wasn't just like one or two, like they all came up and, and the oldest one, he was like, wow. He's like, that was so amazing. He's like our whole lives. Like she loved her husband. Her marriage was the most important thing to her. Now I never knew any of this. She never talked about her marriage or anything. And they were like, you know, she would always tell us these amazing stories about you know, her marriage and everything. And um, they were like, what a perfect way, you know, to see her go and to say goodbye and to have this beautiful song. And he's like, no, no wonder she loved it so much, you know? And I was like, okay, Lord, I guess I, I, I was wrong. I, I won't argue with you again, Lord, <laughs> about singing a wedding song at a funeral. <laughs> I just, I won't argue God. So So last night, you know, forward now five years and, you know, I'm, I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking through all these negative emotions that all these people are having, you know, and that lack of hope. It just seemed like there was so much hopelessness and the Lord started bringing that missionary story to my mind. And I just kept seeing this vision of of this horde of 200 cows, you know, like walking through the dirt and all the dust flying up. And all of a sudden the Lord brought me to the passage in Genesis uh, chapter 24 with Isaac and Rebecca and how he had Abraham, you know, was getting old. He was getting ready to die and he needed a wife for his son, Isaac. And so, you know, he was too old to go out and help look for a wife. So he sent his servant to back to his country that the Lord had brought him out of. 
and said, you know, look for a wife. Don't find a wife here among the Canaanites. You know, he said, go back to my hometown and find a wife out of my relatives for my son. And the amazing thing about that story is that the servant, um, you know, he, he doesn't know what to do really. He just simply prays and he says, Lord, you know, let the first woman that I ask for a drink of water, tell me that she's going to water the camels too. And let that woman be the bride for Isaac. And it happens just as he asks it. Like, that's the amazing thing. The Lord, like, directly answers his prayer exactly as he's asked it. And so the Lord's bringing all this stuff to my mind. And then clear as day, you know, I see him in his throne room and he stands up and in a loud voice and this wasn't you know it was for like the entire church it was like the lord spoke it over all these people that i was thinking about who are wrestling who are struggling who are anxious and and worried about what's happening right now you know and i i just gotta dwell on this for a minute because people have to understand like our focus has been about what we see going on right now. You know, we've got our eyes on Biden. We've got our eyes on Trump. We're like, what in the world is going on? What's going on with our military? Are, are they doing stuff behind the scenes? Are they still rescuing kids? Who's in power? Who has the control? And last night, the Lord stood up in front of his throne and decreed. He said, my bride shall know. And there was an emphasis on that word, no. The bride shall know her price. Wow. And that it just is took, huge. It just took everything else away. It was like, wow, like none of this, like our eyes are in the wrong place. Like why are our eyes not on the groom? Well, and this is what we've been saying on this program. Like, you know, we are reporting on the news, but we really have been avoiding it for the last couple of weeks because we've been looking in the wrong, people are looking in the wrong places and we've been trying to convey that message. Yeah. So but what's really interesting to this uh, is, for, well, a lot of things. My bride. So he's speaking to the people who have already made the choice. Right. Shall know there will be revelation. Right. Her price is what I find really interesting here. It wasn't the price. It was her, her price. Yeah, yeah, that's what I wrote down. Her, right? Maybe I said it wrong, but I said no, 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 no. I was just emphasizing for people yeah. because it was interesting. The Lord said her price. Tell me what you what you get out of that, Jesse. There was such an intimacy in the Lord's voice that 
that value, that idea that, um, that there's, that the Lord is earning. I mean, I don't even know how to put it like earning, working for he's, he's preparing the way, you know, it, it implies so much, but, but to, I mean, it wasn't just like you just are, are aware of or know. I mean, it was really powerful. Well, and tying it back into the 200 cattles and how much work has been done. So when we, when we think about all this in context, the Lord is working right now. And by the way, one of the things that, you know, is going to come out uh, through Jesse and I in the near future <clears throat> is God is a working God. He it's, if you think you're going to be raptured and go up to this retirement village in the sky, you have a wrong concept of heaven, right? You have a absolutely wrong con. You will be assigned tasks. You will <laughs> be working as he is working now. But I want to focus on, and by the way, the her, we are masculine, feminine. We right. are his bride. Okay. It's, it's not a gay thing. Let's <laughs> just say that. We'll, you know, we'll by any means. Clearly for, put that out. <laughs> well, listen, there's some people who are listening to this that are not saved. I just want to say that it, it's, it's in the spirit. That's what right. we're referring to, but we are his bride and the price what was the price? Yeah, the price was his blood, you know, that he purchased with his blood, but there's more. But there's more. There's <laughs> I more. Love yeah. I, and, and I have a lot. Go, go ahead, Jesse. No, I have good. some thoughts too. I, yeah, no, I want to hear your thoughts on this because it was more like, you know, we already know he's paid that price, you know, it was like, you know, when Waffle had to pay and purchase those cattle, he already, you know, had them. He came into that village with them. But then it wasn't just that he had to purchase and deliver. Each one had to be inspected to be approved. And so it's like Christ has already died. The blood has already been spilt. It's already been paid. But then there's this idea that the father is making sure that it is all approved, that it is worthy, that it is honorable, that it is, a, you know, the best for what, you know, that he's getting the best. I, I don't want to put it this way and give the wrong picture of God, but it's like that idea of, you know, that he's not going to get cheated. He's not going to get something that amounts to nothing. You know, it, well, it, my understanding, Jesse, is that the father, the author, essentially, you know, uh, will be blinded to our blemishes because Jesus has dealt with all of that. But, you know, when we think of the, the price and, you know, we want to take into consideration the physical pain. Of course, he went through tremendous physical pain. Uh, he went through persecution. He wasn't liked. He had a bad reputation for a lot of it. You know, people were, the Pharisees slandered him, which, you know, we see happening a lot today. There's a lot of parallels. But when I think of the price, 
you know, there's the acts of, of being persecuted, being damaged physically to the most extreme, like you wouldn't wish it on your worst enemy. But I think the price is even bigger than that. And it's bigger than him going down to Hades and stealing the keys. It's bigger than that. So first of all, you have to think of the humility. And when you understand how big God is, he holds the stars in the sky in the palm of his hand. Yeah. Okay. That's big. Right, You don't get much bigger than that. No one else holds the stars in the palm of their hands. And and it's not one. Like, just to hold the sun, that'd be pretty impressive. You know, I'd worship that God. (laughs) But he holds all of them. So he's really big. And he came down in human form for his bride. Mm -hmm. For his bride. So the humility of being God. And it's like, it's, you know, us becoming an ant to save civilization couldn't even describe it. You know, and an ant is kind of a humble life, I I would think, compared to, but, but that doesn't even compare. But I think what is forgotten out of this story, or, you know, isn't preached a lot, uh, your mother, I'm a father. Can you imagine sending one of your kids to go do this. I would say, listen, as a father, I would gladly go do it so my kid doesn't have to. It would be as much as Jesus went through all this excruciating pain and had all this stuff, what the father went through to watch his son go and do this Like, that's a big price. Every parent would do it for their kid. I'm convinced. Well, most, actually. We have a pretty selfish society these days. But, you know, um, just... You're right. The majority majority would go instead of sending their child. Yeah. And, And so, you know, the price is big. And the price is more than just, you know, what we're... we Again, I, you know, the church depicts Jesus as this weeping guy on a cross. Right. That's not Jesus. Sure, he did that. I'm not. Don't don't hear anything. I'm not saying he did that. That's not who he he is. That's not what defines him. Right. Wow. So my bride shall know her price. Yeah, and like I said, it wasn't just like the Lord people have to remember this was not um, just a statement and it wasn't a conditional decree. Like the Lord literally decreed this over the earth last night. Wow. It was powerful. Jesse, I am so, thank you, by the way for being obedient and thank you for sharing that with uh with myself and the and the listening audience you know when we look at all this you know theater that's going on in life right now and most of it is an illusion honestly when we're told we're watching a movie we really are watching a movie and you know these things don't matter so much so but i 
did say on Sunday that I would talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. Yeah, no, so it's a, it's a, and believe me, I don't want to do this after what you said, but I'm going to make it really brief and I'm going to make it fit in. (laughs) No, it it does fit in. I mean, there was a lot of things that I was seeing. Um, You know, we could bring in the whole fact that, that you've got this antichrist, this mockery of the Lord that's coming in trying to steal the bride away. And that was exactly what I saw in that show, you know. But how? But they showed the how. That's what was amazing about this. And and so the good news is God's not going to let it happen. Jesse's confirmed that. Um, I've known it in my spirit, and I believe many of you do too. So let me summarize the Super Bowl like this. I don't want to spend much time on it, Jesse, because what you said, I don't want to take away from it. But I do want to fulfill what we said we'd do. So first of all, the Super Bowl starts out with the three plays. And by the way, we've got a really great um, person who has been sending such great intel. I'm reaching out to you later today. I don't want to say your name without permission, but I'm reaching out to you later. And we've corresponded. And she's been making my life so easy. <laughs> like she's been lining all this stuff up and uh, really want to use her in a much greater way. But the uh, so there's a national anthem, then there's the flyover. Normally, the flyover is fighter jets. Right. But in this case, we have a actually, let me just get this right because I. The stealth bomber and. Okay. So it's a B 52. A B1 and a B2 equals 55. Now, 55, if you looked on the board, this is where it says, my fellow Americans, the storm is upon us. And that's the signal. Now, they with the Super Bowl in, in the post as well, there's also Super Bowl puppy show, right? Right. So, well, before you get there, actually, I think you should say the 55 in another direction. Yeah, you well, know? go ahead. I, I was going to get there, but 5-5. Five, yeah. Five. yeah, the 5-5. Five, five, so 5-5 five, five is essentially everything's good, all good. It's military speak. Right. And it happened to be Super Bowl 55. That's right. Yeah. And, and they said that the fun would start right after the game. Yep. So interesting game over you know well so for them for this to have so much confidence in it you don't start a battle you haven't already won right right and by the way that was god's plan as well and i'm just saying you know if you look through the boards and stuff like that you know they they seem to quote a lot of scripture you know right all right so back to the super bowl now if you follow sports I, 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 this might be a spoiler alert. It's rigged. The it, it is. NFL commissioner admitted it uh, in front of a camera about five years ago. Players have come out and said it. Listen, how they do it is certain players, you know, when you play in this league, you make an awful lot of money. There is not another alternative in that career path to make this kind of money. So, you know, uh, not everyone is involved in it. I, I can't say 100% of players. That'd be ridiculous. But key players, probably. 
Yeah. Now, these are young, good-looking, for the most part, really good shape athletes who are on the road all the time. Do you think there could be a honeypot trap? Like that might be the easiest thing to set up. So that might cover some of them. But I'll tell you who parties the most out of the whole traveling circus in professional sports. Who's that? It's the refs. The refs yeah. are party animals. And these guys, like I I know a couple professional hockey players, and they're saying what the refs do, man. Holy, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's wild what they do. So just bear in mind that the conclusion was already mapped out. Um, you know, listen, I'm a Kansas city fan. I still would have liked to see them win. By the way, I didn't even watch the whole game. First time ever. I shut it off. Huh? I, I, I was so actually angry, Jesse, and I really felt anger. And what I was angry at was the fact that like the refing was so badly done. And what made me angry is how little they think of people because they're showing you on TV and they're telling you not to believe your eyes. Right. You know, just like just like those peaceful protests when, you know, buildings are burning and stuff like that. And oh yes, this is peaceful. <laughs> you know, it's right. like they're, they're like... mocking us. They're mocking us. And so I don't want to forget the coin toss. Because at the coin toss, they made a great statement and they're celebrating the frontline workers, Jesse. And they said, we want to congratulate our 7,500 vaccinated frontline workers that are in attendance today. <laughs> Just, they <laughs> had throw, they've all been vaccinated. vaccinated. <laughs> the dogs are clean. These ones shall not reproduce. No, I'm kidding. Like, sorry. It just reminds me of a Spain commercial or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The halftime uh, show. And I've, I've got tons uh, of images and stuff like that, but you know what? Let's not give them any glory. I, and I have them lined up. I don't want to show them now after your thing. I just don't want to go there. Look, they had the dark angel, falling they had this you know it, it was the smart cities it was robotic it was evil it was your sheep um the the, the smoke the dark skies the yeah. moon the uh you know the red shoes that's all in there it's always the red and black they always do this right. stuff there, there was so much in it and it was basically the antichrist rising and then his army coming out at the end uh you know, look, it was the most in-your-face way of them showing it. But what was key in it, Jesse, to me, was the how. And they showed the how. The how was in all this, not subliminal, because they were showing them, but it was, the words kept going on and off the screen. You'd have to do screen right. sh stops to get them. But it was basically, we're doing this by taking your mind. And it's worked. Basically. It, it's worked. Look, you can see people wearing three and four masks now. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was interesting, you know what? The, the thing that kept sticking in my mind, and this also describes the how, if people go back, you might have to read the book as a refresher. But the beginning scene where, you know, you, you kind of see that demonic choir and then the middle opens up 
and he walks out onto the the scene that exact image was the cover for many years of the older like if you go back and see the old old covers of the little prince where an alien comes to the earth um, from another you know galaxy so it was very interesting that it was i mean just right on i just kept seeing that and was like huh like they just can't get away from these book deals you know they uh, you know but it it, but they're also foreshadowing what you and I believe is going to be the greatest deception uh, that the Antichrist right, is the Antichrist. Be. And that's, you know, I'm, when you look at that book, The Little Prince, too, you know, he's seen as a, basically, he's a foreign invader, but he's presented in that good light that there's, you know, it's got that deceptive light. Um, so that's what kept hitting me, too, is I agree, you know, that deception and we've talked about you know the dark side has fallen and now out of that the you know light the side. light side is rising but it's yeah. not the light of jesus christ no it, it's not the light of the father who you know is giving the bride his church to his son the groom you know this is a false christ one that's trying to steal the bride and by the way, if you join, and we have lots of different jobs, lots of different theaters of battle for the shepherds of the sheeple army, the SOS army, you can send me an email at rightonjeff at gmail.com. One of the very specific assignments to some people who fit into that digging category, Jesse and I are going to give you very specific areas to look in because we've already announced this is going to be kind of a bit of a focus of the show going forward. We're going to keep our eyes on the, on the biggest story in the world, not, uh, not all this theater that's going on right now. It's fun to report on some of the stuff that's happening. Like, you know, in the impeachment, I'm sure there's going to be some twists, there's moves and counter moves and people are going to be exposed and stuff like that. But you know, right. We'll see. And, and Jesse, I want to get back to, Oh, by the way, with the, uh, with the Pepsi halftime show, that's a brand that I don't think you should support. Well, we, we could talk a lot about that. We'll share some things another time about that. But, you know, there was something else too, um, you know, with the imagery and it brings out, you know, one of the most powerful verses in scripture um, in the book of revelations, you know, even before that you've got, you know, in first or I think it's first John or second John where it, you know, it says that the Lord came to destroy the works of the devil. And how did he do that? He did that through the death of his son on the cross. But then there's this verse in Revelations, you know, where, you know, scripture says that, you know, the Lord lives through us and, and he lives with us. It, you know, we're not operating on our own. There's this oneness when we enter into that relationship with the Lord where we're doing things together. So his defeat was not just, you know, he doesn't just take all the glory credit and we're just kind of in the back scene. Um, and, and with that, you know, I got to add, it's kind of hard to put some of this stuff into words, but you've got that work, it's already completed. Yet at the same time, 
it's a layered living word. So it's already completed, yet it's in the process of being fulfilled. And we can't explain that that duality or not, it's not duality, but that oh, weirdness of oh, it. Oh yeah, I can. Okay, well, I'll let you explain it another time. <laughs> it's only like the most difficult concept in the world. Okay, so I, I what I can do, Jesse, is explain my simple, I, I always break things down to very simple concepts because that's how I understand things. I break them down to the most simple denominator. First of all, time does not exist. Well, there we go. Time does not exist. Time is a man-made measurement tool. Right. And we always have past, present, and future coexisting together. He is the alpha and the omega. What, you know, it's, so the thing is, is what, you know, you could have, if someone, your, your ancestors died thousands of years ago, they show up at the banquet the same time we do. Right? Yeah, could could be. <laughs> well, that's what the Bible says. I don't know. It, it, it does. It, say it's something. not. It's not several different dinners. It's the banquet with the Just bride. One dinner. You're right. You're right on that. Right. You know, um, it's not. You get the seven o'clock seating, and someone else gets the nine o'clock seating for the for the Lord show. <laughs> it's right. It, it's we're we're there at, at the same time. So yeah. You know, well, well, the thing that struck me about all this, you know, is that. So we've got this completed work that the Lord's already died. He's already destroyed the works of the devil, yet it's in the process of being or lived out, fulfilled. Um, you know, Revelation says that, you know, about those in the last days, they overcome the evil one by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb. Okay. What we saw with the halftime show was the enemy's kind of hit piece on that, you know, where they've got these images of, you know, to me, it the masks that they were wearing were very reminiscent of Silence of the Lamb, Silence of the Lambs. That, you know, they're wanting to silence the lambs from speaking out, from sharing their testimony. From thinking that as well and, and yet like you look the cranials open for you know as a survivor I, people if you've heard my story you know i'm not going to get graphic here but um you know the, there was a lot of hidden imagery that mindlessness you know comes with the idea that that they're feeding on our mind and i'll put it out there that that it's more than just an idea that literally they are doing these things. Yeah. That's all we are to them, you know. And we and we can, we shouldn't be remiss to uh not mention the uh the panda eyes because the masks really made that a focus. Uh not yeah. every soldier out there was wearing the panda eyes, but and if you don't know what panda eyes are, um well. I don't really want to explain it, but put it this way. If, if, uh, if an adult did really bad things to a little kid, their blood vessels and stuff like that become blackened and, you know, 
Yeah. Panda For, eye. Yeah, forced trauma um, causes that, blunt trauma. You know, that's a bad segue, and I don't even want to go there, but, you know, the uh, GQ magazine, um, the acting Pedotis was on the cover, and there's tons of columns on there. Some people have uh, have really covered it. Uh, you know, there's the word hype and there's all this stuff. But being a musician, there's something that I caught that I don't think anyone else has, at least not that I've heard. Hmm. So he's sitting there playing guitar. And his guitar, he's he's fretting a particular chord. So his hands are on A minor. <laughs> you can't get any more twinky dinks than that. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, these people are so bold. <laughs> and, and, and listen, we can laugh at it because it's just about over. It's just about over. Like by the way, that, that could be Who knows? I, I don't know. <laughs> That that would be the meme of the, of the year, you know. My hands are on a minor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I bet his nose was close as well. Just some weird <laughs> fetish that that he has. <laughs> um, all right, Jesse. Before I ask you to sing, there's something else I wanted to cover, and I'm going to do this quickly. But it's scripture, and. This wasn't a, a revelation that was given to me. In fact, I was watching uh, Hank Kuhneman, who's a, a prophet. Um, I haven't followed his career. Most of these guys I haven't. There's a few that I have, but uh, he isn't one of them. And quite honestly, I, before all this stuff started going down, I'd watch him a little bit, but yeah, it wasn't really my flavor. But he hasn't backed down from some of the stuff he said. So that makes me think he's, you know, at least he's in the fight. And his message on Sunday, honestly, look, it's, it's, it's on YouTube. It's funny to watch, okay? It's funny. And he purposely says, look, he goes, this isn't a prophetic message. I'm not giving out timelines. He goes, but I was studying, and he goes, I'm studying, and this particular word just jumps out at me. He goes, I wasn't planning on doing this, but this particular word just jumped. He goes, I don't know what it means. I'm not predicting. I'm just reading a Bible story. And so he starts to talk about, you know, the time of, of Noah and, you know, how bad things had got. And, you know, he talks about Noah. He was being ridiculed. He's building this ark. Everyone knows the story, right? Built it for 120, uh, 120 years it took him to complete it but he found this one particular i'm just going to read this one particular scripture and i'm going to say it like he did because so in other words because this this particular platform we're on right now jesse right. they just banned another one of our videos they, oh. they took it down they said we realize you probably didn't have ill intentions so we're not giving you a strike but we had to remove your video Boy, they really like the one that said video, the, uh, our videos. Yeah, the, the plan to save the world. <laughs> How can the, oh. I, I know it's bad. And, and, and YouTube, I repent. I repent. Why would someone want to save the world or put out a positive plan? 
Right, right. You know, we need to, wasn't it Boo Brennan, you know, Boo Brennan, who, who called for national repentance. So this is our national repentance. And, and you know, we, 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 we apologize for being, you know, globally minded. And, and, and you know what, part of his repentant message, uh, which needs to be taken seriously, Jess, is we, part of it is we have to denounce the last guy and really wholeheartedly submit. And I wholeheartedly submit that there's an acting Pinotis. So, you know, I want to just say on the record that that's it. That's right. All right. So back to the story of Noah. <laughs> so the, the scripture is Genesis 7-11. Oh, that's funny. See, I told you we were both in Genesis. We were we? Both, as soon as you said Genesis, I thought, okay. <laughs> but I knew we weren't going to get the same scripture, but that's funny. There is some tie in here, believe me. So in Genesis 7:11, it, it simply says this: in the 600th year of Noah's life, and here comes the word that really jumped out at, at this particular pastor in this Bible story. On the 17th day hmm. of the second month. Now, and, and he goes on to explain, he goes, Look, I get it, there's more than one calendar in the world or whatever, but, you know, we live here in this Gregorian calendar, and, you know, the second month of our calendar would be February. Right. And he goes, I, listen, I'm not saying something's going to happen, but he goes, the, the fact that it's so specific about the 17th day of the second month, and on that day, all the springs of the great deep opened up, burst forth, and the floodgates of the heavens were opened. So something from deep down comes forth, and the floodgates of the heavens are opened. Could this be the way my bride shall know? Well, this is interesting, you know, when you, when you get into that a little further, some of the other images that pull in, um, first you have in Genesis one, where it talks about at the very beginning, you have the spirit of the Lord hovering over the surface of the deep darkness. And, and in that, those beginning chapters, you have the Lord creates this firmament that, and it implies the spirit is flowing through this firmament, which, you know, the majority of scholars will say they believe was water. So literally the earth was surrounded with this water and, you know, scripture talks about, you know, a lot of times it'll relate the Holy spirit to that water or that, you know, the, the second birth, is through that water, through the spirit, you know, so you've got this idea, even all the way back at Genesis kind of mixing together. And, but then you've got this powerful imagery, like when these wellsprings broke open, it wasn't just, you know, like you've, you find this well and you've got water that starts spurting up. This 
it implies like this massive, like unimaginable amount of water breaking forth with such power and force that nothing can contain it. No, and like the arc shot up, like it. Right. But you've got it coming from all directions because they were above the earth, they were below the earth. And just from every direction, they released, like in scripture, the Hebrew literally says they released their water. And it's just this, I mean, it, it's an amazing picture if you really sit there and think about it. It is. And I, and I'm going to just go back and relate this to the Super Bowl thing again, because there was definitely the imagery of, of like the CERN and opening up the gates and seeing all these things rise up. Right. And, you know, there, there's just so much there and who knows what this is going to look like, but it's, we got a great, we got a great seat for the show. <laughs> definitely we do. What, what, you know, if we get into even further things, this is people are always asking my end time views and, and I don't share much on them um, because I've seen a lot of, you know, I'm a dreamer. I'm somebody who has visions and has seen a lot of these things since I was a small child. The interesting thing about the spiritual gates is, you know, people will sometimes draw pictures, those who have seen them you know, that, and people have been even posting pictures now, which is interesting because you're starting to see them in real life, you know, where you see the rain, the weird rainbows that are not explainable. You're like, a rainbow never looks that way, right? Um, But you'll see these rainbows and, and light that, you know, is refracting in ways that usually it never refracts. Um, And so we're starting to see those spiritual gates and and a lot of people would draw pictures where they see, you know, like this tunnel that is the gateway and that tunnel is filled with rainbows and all sorts of stuff. I have never seen it that way. To me, it's fire, but it's like a layered fire. Like I see the floor and I got to describe this because it's pretty amazing but it's like this floor that's on fire, but the fire, I don't know if anybody else has ever seen angelic tongue writing, but it's like, it's almost like looks like puzzle pieces put together in the shape of flames, but they're flat. And literally it looks like a, you know, like a puzzle that you would put together with these little flames of fire. And so that's how I see the floor. Is like as this puzzle of fire pieces, but then there's these spots where it spurts up and the fire speaks. And each tongue has its own thing that it says. So like I'll hear, you know, one tongue will say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And another one will be saying, you know, worthy is the lamb. And, and they'll keep, and it's like nonstop. You hear all these voices speaking but it, they're always declaring the glory and the praises of God, like nonstop as they're spurting up. And then the walls, the closest thing I did, could describe it to are, is the parting of the Red Sea. The, it looks like water, but it's on, it's fire. 
And, you know, I'll see the Lord walk through these gates. And at the end, all I see is darkness. And yet he takes, you know, he walks through that fire and the light just follows him. And it's, it's pretty amazing. And when you think about that, you know, these floodgates originally, you know, the Lord used them to destroy the earth once. And he says, he gave us the rainbow and said, never again will I destroy the whole earth by water. By water. But the second time, how does he say he'll destroy the earth Fire. the second time? And I'm telling people those gates are made with fire. Yeah. So they'll be used again. This time, the floodgates, when they break forth, it will be with the fire of the Lord. Yeah. It's interesting. It's it's so interesting. And, you know, the Kim Clement prophecy says, you know, many people in this generation will not see death. Right. And, you know, it seems to be shaping up that way. I, you know, I'm kind of a believer that, you know, we are chosen for this time. And, and uh, but, you know, that something about the gates, uh, and that, that's why I wanted to read that scripture. And, uh, and you're absolutely right about the fire. Uh, I'd, I'd love to be able to see what you see in the spirit in the, those ways. But when you mentioned the, uh, the Red Sea being a walls of fire, I so see that in my mind. Yeah, and it, one thing I keep thinking of, and the word one thing that's been coming up in my mind for the last couple of weeks is the refiner's fire. Right. You know, the that refiner's fire going through it. So, well, well it says you know what is it? Jeremiah twenty three twenty nine says, "Is not our God a consuming fire, mm. and like a hammer that shatters a rock?" And people forget, you know, even with Israel when He led them. He appeared as a pillar of fire. Yeah. It's really interesting. And the Holy Spirit, you know, too, there's been verses speaking of him showing forth himself as a fire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, part of the reason is, and it could be a literal fire, could be, um, but we here on earth in this, uh, you know, form we don't have a language to describe the spiritual world right we just don't have a language so so god's given us things that we can relate to because and just like you know when god speaks to me and he speaks to jesse it sounds different to me than what probably what jesse hears because he speaks to us in a way that we understand he cares for each one of us individually and you know he speaks again like but Similar to, to you, Jesse, I've mentioned on this program several times, he starts putting things years back and then they come forward. And just like your story today, five years in the making, the right. free. <laughs> wow. Oh, oh, by the way, and uh, we'll just wrap up on this uh, before I ask you to sing, Jesse. I, I'm not going to today. So, because, oh. yeah, my voice, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to pass. Would you, would you do one line? I can do one line. I All right. I'll try to do the first chorus. So. Yeah. All right. So first, just first. before we get that, I want to ask uh, the listeners. Look, I've been seeing all this Michael Jackson stuff. I haven't spent any time figuring it out. 
but this hologram of Michael Jackson spinning around Capitol, <laughs> like what the hell is going on here? And then you look at the pictures of, uh, of his mansion and he's got this 17th letter in the, in a garden, you know, with a little kid hanging off. It's just, if someone's got some good digs on that, please send it to me. I haven't had time to search it out, but I'm really interested in it. And, uh, anyways, so we'll end on, uh, on that, but without further introduction, she's here to sing part of the Lord's decree. Yeah, no, this was this was the song he sang. But um, you'll have to forgive me because I've been sick. So probably not. My voice is not the best. But so it goes. Let's see. Um, Beautiful bride, won't you keep your light shining? Search for me in the night. Very soon I am coming. Watch and you'll see when I come riding. We'll stop there. That is going to get yeah. the most comments guaranteed, Jesse. That was absolutely beautiful. Your voice is in fine form. I will say that. And yeah. uh, and again, thank, thank you. What what a great what a great show, Jesse. Uh, you know, listen. If, if she hears from the Lord, and I think she would give me the same. Uh, you know, we hear some. That takes priority, right? That's kind of it bigger than the, yeah. You know. Yeah bigger than the other stuff but i mean the lord told me i had to you know pull a mutiny you know it was just like mutiny on the yeah. show so <laughs> you you really kind of were entering in this morning with no option no listen i'm you know i was gonna pull a mutiny either way but <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey listen you know it's it's not my show it's, it's not your show either jesse i just nope. you know it's uh we we hope to put out a, a faithful and uh, and positive message, and and the show is for you, the people. That's right. You know, uh, neither of us are seeking fame. Trust me, it's the last thing we desire. Um, we don't want that, but we do want the word to get out. So please do hit the thumbs up button. By the way, it doesn't save it in a special place. It just says you like the programming, and it helps it to spread the the show through the algorithms. Um, and if you hit the subscribe button and stuff, all that stuff helps, you know, share it if you feel inclined. I think this is a good one to share. Yeah. Anyways, let's, uh, let's stop it there. Remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. You've been listening to Right On Radio with Jeff and Jesse. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.